for a small child, in order to truly be themselves, they need to feel safe and secure. They experience safety and security most strongly in a container with clear boundaries uh-huh. that are consistent, well-defined. So what tends to happen is that we get triggered, like you're saying, by our child's crazy behavior. Yeah. And then rather than acting in a calm, clear, consistent manner, we get a little bit frazzled and act more emotionally reactive which only creates more emotional reactivity in our children. The simplest thing, which is not that simple really, is to stop yourself from reacting. So it's like the path of self-development through parenting. So when that happens, it's like, yeah, the healing of the children really comes from healing of ourselves and our own inner child. So it's it's pausing, taking a breath. Honestly, the simple mantra that I used for a long time was to observe more and do less, Mm. right? Because in that moment of observation, I mostly would notice that it's me that's freaking out in a reactive way to this behavior that maybe isn't really that big of a deal. (laughs) When you zoom out far enough, it's, yeah, it's really okay. You know, it's sort of like, okay, so yeah, that's annoying, but... um, You know, if I just center myself and become a little bit more observant, I'm able to receive often the information that there's a need behind that behavior. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to Sovereign States of Mind. I'm Jordan Herbs. Today's guest is Nandi Lovejoy. She's actually my son's preschool teacher, and she's just a really amazing person to send our son to every day. And I thought it would be really valuable to have a conversation with her for other parents of young children that are striving to communicate more lovingly, to have more patience and to raise this the most sovereign minded children that that we can. So Nandi is passionate about partnering with parents to create a bubble of love during the first few years of a child's life. She brings 20 years of early childhood experience based upon RIE and Waldorf principles. It basically means treating your children like adults and communicating them as sovereign individuals. She holds a BA in sociology from the University of Michigan and a Waldorf elementary teacher certification from the Waldorf Institute of Southeastern Michigan. Nandi taught K-3 in both public and private Waldorf schools, owned and operated a daycare and co-founded a parent education center in Michigan. She's the proud mother of two successful Waldorf graduates. So she comes with quite a bit of background and history and expertise. And I speak from my own witnessing of the transformations that my son is going through and what we're learning uh, with her and how to communicate just with more love and work hard just to not to not block the light that these little kids have when sometimes as parents, it feels overwhelming and it's so much. So before we start this episode, I just want to say that I have the most, I am a parent of young children. And if anyone trying to raise children, anyone raising children showing up, like you have my respect, you have Nandy's respect and everything we talk about in here is just, you know, trying to take it to the next level, doing what we can with what we got. There's no judgment. There's no there's no shame. I talk about the shame and guilt I feel sometimes when I lose my patience with my kids uh, and we go over that and it's okay. So I really hope you enjoy this episode. It's chock full of just good tips and advice for raising your children consciously with love so they can grow up and be authentic, sovereign beings. There is a lot to learn from this episode. So I would say if you're interested in bringing these points home, check out SovereignStatesOfMind.com. There's a blog post on this episode. You can read through it. 
it. You can see more of the points in detail. And you can also sign up to the newsletter, Sovereign States of Mind, where you'll get bi-weekly updates on both the podcast and my personal journey to sovereignty. So as you follow along in the podcast, you can see how I'm trying to apply these lessons in my own life. Without further ado, let's get started. You're listening to Sovereign States of Mind. So, Auntie Mandy. Yes. You are a bit of a local celebrity because I have heard nothing but raving reviews from any parent that has sent their children to spend time with you. Hmm. We send our child to spend time with you and we have raving reviews and we have learned so much about conscious, loving, patient, authentic parenting uh-huh. from you. So I thought it would be really important to just come on here and share some knowledge for the world that for all the people that don't have the blessing of living down the street and getting to spend time with you, I know so many of us struggle as parents to show our children love and patience and acceptance and essentially not raise them the way we were raised, not in a you know, not in a judgmental or hating way to our parents, but just it was a different generation. Generations and generations upon humans have evolved a certain way and you treat your children a certain way to survive. You have certain addictions that happen throughout the generations, different trends in society. We're in a new paradigm here where we're recognizing all the ancestral trauma, I guess, that needs to be healed. And many of us are really passionate about healing that rift in the new generation with our children. And I recognize that what you embody as a caretaker for children heals that rift. So yeah. I would really like to just pick your brain a bit and okay. share and share your wisdom. Okay. So my first question right. is, yeah. what is the simplest thing a parent can do to start allowing their child, their toddler to be free to express themselves to be who they need to be amidst the triggers we experience as parents yeah okay i can answer that one um and it's a bit of an ironic answer probably because we tend to um especially given what you were just talking about and the way that we were parented, many parents experienced a very authoritarian, maybe too strict upbringing. And so we think the answer would be to give our children lots of space and freedom to express themselves and to be who it is that they need to be. Um, But for a small child, in order to truly be themselves, they need to feel safe and secure. So they experience safety and security most uh, strongly in a container with clear boundaries Uh that are consistent and well-defined, right? So what tends to happen is that we get triggered, like you're saying, by our child's crazy behavior. And then... Rather than acting in a calm, clear, consistent manner, we get a little bit frazzled and act more emotionally reactive, which only creates more emotional reactivity in our children. So the simplest thing, which is not that simple, really, is to stop yourself from reacting. Right. So it's like the path of self-development through parenting so when that happens it's like yeah 
the healing of the children really comes from healing of ourselves, right? And our own inner child. So it's, it's pausing, taking a breath. Um, honestly, the simple mantra that I used for a long time was to observe more and do less, mm. right? Because in that moment of observation, I mostly would notice that it's me that's freaking out in a reactive way to this behavior that maybe isn't really that big of a deal. <laughs> when you zoom out far enough, it's, yeah, it's really okay. You know, it's sort of like, okay, so yeah, that's annoying. But, um, you know, if I just center myself and become a little bit more observant, I'm able to receive often the information that there's a need behind that behavior. Mm-hmm. So let's, let's, let's pause that for a moment and unpack a little bit. Yeah. In this podcast, we talk about personal sovereignty a lot. And one of the main things I've been saying lately is like what true sovereignty over yourself is, is the choice you have in that little space between like a reaction or a response. Yes. And that's exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah. The children are like <laughs> masters at giving us like so much time to practice that in our daily, oh, too much time. in our daily life. Right. It's like, OK, you know, so I think when people say, oh, the children are here to teach us, we have so much to learn from our children. It's actually that. That's it. That's, that's it. the ultimate. It, that's the ultimate thing. It, it, and it's about oh. ourself and our own self-development. And yeah, awareness and control of our emotions and un, just conscious decision making about our own behavior. Yeah. And then uh, we can talk about our self-judgments about our own behavior when we're not exactly <laughs> living up to that, to that standard uh, in a moment. But uh, so, okay, that first, that first step is to observe yourself. And, and witness yourself in these moments yes. that they could happen in any part of life. But in this case, we're talking about parenting, which yeah. it's happening frequently. It's happening all the time. Yes. That first step is recognize that there might not be a need to react. There, there often p- isn't. Yeah, most yes. of the time, probably, especially when we're dealing with. I mean, so one thing I've talked to you about before is this doesn't happen anymore. Thank God. But our son would hit our daughter, our baby yeah. daughter, right? Yeah. That that invoked a reaction for me out of like a, I need to protect my my spawn here, yes. my baby. Yes. And at times I wasn't violent with him, but there was aggression come out, coming out of me, even though he's my spawn too. Yeah. He, he's my baby too. But when I see my baby girl getting hurt, I'm like, I'm going to, I'm going to, I, well, I'm, I'm heading over there and I'm yeah. taking care of it. So, when is it appropriate for there to be a reaction? Well, and I'm not really saying no reaction, but I'm talking about a conscious reaction. So in that example, it's one thing to react like you're saying out of your anger and aggression, you know, that that's what's fueling your reaction. I have to back up a little bit because children are... Not only do they imitate what we do and how we do it, but they imitate what we feel and what we think. And to me, I think that's a big part that's missed um, in understanding our children. So what I'm advocating is that in this instance, you're aware that, whoa, it's I'm feeling a little bit aggressive and I need to check that before I do whatever I need to do. Absolutely you need to get involved and you need to do something. But I'm saying if the emotion behind the action is aggression, as you used that example, that's what's going to be learned and imitated by 
the so older child in this case. It's irrelevant what the stimuli is because, yeah, like if I see him, like literally it's in the moment of like, uh, this is just my example because yeah, it used yeah, to happen, yeah, like yeah, hitting yeah, her with great. a toy wrench. I'm going to go grab him. I'm not going to be like, hey, let's stop doing that. You know, like, hey, maybe that doesn't feel good. I'm going to stop it. Yes, but I, and I know it's a reaction. It's very reactive. And of course, it's totally understandable. <laughs> and if we can, the sort of maybe more ultimately helpful reaction would be to place yourself in between mm. so that now you're respecting both children. Mm. Right. If you go manhandling the aggressor aggressively, you're reinforcing his aggression. And he's going to keep on doing it. <laughs> So the trick is to become more like energetic bodyguard. You know, I Mm. will, when that's happening with children, put my arm or my body a little bit in the space Mm. and I don't want you to hit her. You know, so I'm being the loving authority here, but I'm also not manhandling or being aggressive towards the aggressor. And as you said, you're creating that container of the this is a boundary like it's definitely a boundary i of course there's boundaries and one is yeah we don't hurt people you know (laughs) (laughs) that's just a boundary you don't get to hurt people just a quick message to let you know that this show is brought to you by kapi hawaii these are kapi vine microdosing lozenges if you're familiar with the brew from the amazon kapi vine is one of the fundamental components it is completely non-psychoactive it creates a lot of space around that moment where we can choose to respond or to react, to, to really claim sovereignty over our consciousness. CopyHawaii.com. Use promo code JORDAN for 15% off your first package of microdosing lozenges and build your relationship with this plant ally, the copy vine. It's really powerful. It's really amazing. Completely non-psychoactive. You stay totally functional. I normally give some to my guests, uh, the interviews I do in person, and they always enjoy them quite a bit. If you're interested in getting started with a plant ally that's not going to take you too far away from your base consciousness so you can get stuff done the copy vine microdosing lozenges copyhawaii.com use promo code jordan get started today so yeah and i will use i statements i don't want you to hurt her you know because um what i understand is that given that children are modeling absorbing everything about us Our voice is what's going to become their inner voice. So if I'm saying, I don't want you to do this, I want that. That's going to go inside as I don't want to hit my sister. Wow. She's special to me. You know, Um, it makes me sad to see her get hurt. If I say those things, it leaves him the space and freedom to adopt them as he will. And he will adopt them because, as you know, we adopt all the things our parents and grownups say, whether we want to or not, when we're that little, you know, like when we're under seven, those things are all going in there. So that modeling is what who they become. That's powerful right there. So that how we speak to them in the form of setting boundaries out of love is becomes their inner voice. Yeah, like what That's would you crazy. want him to say to himself? Yeah. Stop it, in stop it. Mo- That's bad. You're bad. Right? You're a you're a fuck up. Right? I've had I've been cleansing those voices out for years. Not like you're a fuck up. My parents weren't like that. But still, the no, stop, don't do that. Hey. That aggressive. Kind of thing. Just aggressive yeah. talk. Just 
not loving, just, you know, anything, yeah, more wow. harsh. So I think that's a really important uh, thing to keep in mind when intervening. Yeah. Right. And then the other part of intervening that, that it gets me thinking about is for the other, uh, for the other child, it's, you, you don't, you don't necessarily want to save them. You sure. want to, you know, we don't want to steal the opportunity from anyone in life. Right. When we know what's good for them and they don't know it or whatever, like we kind of want to like allow there to be the space for not saying a one-year-old can take care of themselves, yes. but like just setting this example of like, I'm not going to be there to save you all the time. Yeah. But I can be here to help there be communicated boundaries. Yeah. And so you're also being an example. When I make an I statement, I don't like you to hit her. Then she's also hearing that as an example. I don't like to be hit. And this is what I can say, you know, so mm -hmm. it's working equally also without making anyone right or wrong and also trying to sort of neutralize that victim aggressor sort of situation. Right. So once again, it comes back to, to me, to the parent. Yeah. It's, it's about me. So first it's about me and my reactions. Next it's about me and making it about me when I'm communicating with them. Like, yes. I don't like when you do that. I don't want yes. you to do that. I, I don't, it doesn't make me feel good to see your sister get hurt. Exactly. And it allows him then to feel compassion. Not to be mad at you because you stopped him from doing something he maybe in his mind had a good reason to do, <laughs> you know, because usually that's what happens. It's like a reaction and there. She took my thing though or whatever, you know, but in this case now it there's actually, I think in a subtle way, you're conveying this trust and respect to him. Wow. That he's, he's going to be able to, and choose to honor your feelings and want, you know, you to feel good too. Yeah. They don't want us to feel bad. Right. They don't want their sister yeah. to feel bad. Honestly, no, they mean, just react. They're very in the moment with their visceral sort of reactions <laughs> to what happens. And it's up to the people in the environment to sort of the way I see it. It's almost like translate for them. Shape it. Shape it. Yeah. Mm. Create the environment that's conducive to them finding another way. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like over the last couple of years, I mean, especially the last year since he's been working with you, uh -huh. <laughs> spending time with you, uh, and I guess this whole method of parenting, he is such a bundle of love. I mean, they all are. Yes. Right. All little children are just bundles of love. That's all they are. Totally. And it feels I mean, I just feel my heart burst when I can see that, like, he is starting to learn how to kind of channel all of that energy of his into just being loving. Yeah. And now, obviously, like everyone, he gets thrown off the course at times. Uh, but it's so great to see him like forming a baseline of like, this is how he is which is very compassionate and fine. He's a sweetheart. Totally. Totally is. Yeah. And so I don't think even when children are being aggressive, it's never unloving. Mm. You're right. They're just totally love, which is why I think never really thought of it this way, but why it is that they absolutely absorb everything because there's no boundary. 
there, right? When we're just like open and expanded in love, we just experience that oneness with everything around us. So that's the state that they're in, you know, under seven in particular. That's like, they're just in that all the time. Yeah. Under seven. Under seven. They're in that expanded state that we experience if we use some sort of psychedelic or something, right? Yeah, or we just... can go into that space and we understand what that means to feel like communion with others or communion with nature or all of that. And I think maybe we don't, most of us don't go around quite with the inner awareness that children are living in that space. In the psychedelic experience. Yeah. And so you know how sensitive you need people around you to be when you're in that space right. and how disturbing wow. it is when people are wild or loud or erratic or emo overly emotional or all of these things. It's very like, ah, you know, and so then they're reacting, ah, from something more likely in their environment mm -hmm. than feeling of aggression like i'm saying it's really right. there's it's like overstimulation or there's somebody um i notice and that happened um, a few months ago that had a bunch of tigers at preschool right it's like oh god why are all these tigers here today you know <laughs> and uh that's because i was feeling like that inside of myself I didn't acknowledge, I hadn't acknowledged it yet, you know, but I was in that kind of a mood inside, even mm. though I was doing my regular, you know, self, my like, whatever, <clears throat> teacher self, but inside. And so I've come to recognize this, that like they, when I say they're in that experience of oneness and what they're reacting to is often in the environment. I don't even mean something obvious in the environment. I literally mean it could be my inner life that's in the environment with them mm -hmm. that is creating this <clears throat> totally. reaction. So it's it's it has nothing to do with being unloving when the tigers are scratching each other. <laughs> yeah, it's literally like, oh, I'm feeling rather rare, you know. And so then for me, especially with a group of children that are picking that up as a collective, it's been um, even more important or like faster feedback, I guess, for wow. me to go like, OK, what do I need? Maybe I need something to eat. Maybe I need, you know what I mean? Oh, okay, let's put the tigers in a cage so I can observe them for a few minutes, you know? And I'm doing this all externally, but it's happening internally simultaneously, right? So I literally did. I had to put the tigers. Oh my gosh, there's a bunch of, I'll acknowledge. I just like say what I see. But then I, as I'm doing that, I'm like, oh, that's happening inside of me. There's a bunch of tigers in this room. What can we do with these tigers? We don't want wild tigers. I don't want wild tigers in me and I don't want wild tigers in my house. Better make them a cage. So then we get them a cage. Then we get them something to eat. Oh, maybe they need a little affection. Maybe they need a little rest. Maybe they need a little, you know. And so in doing that, Calm I'm calming down. myself yeah. <laughs> at the same time. And they're experiencing that. And then we all sort of, you know, are able to be more wow. soft and cuddly. So tigers again. The parenting and caretaking of... Or just spending time with young children is this deep reflective process. For me, it has been totally that. Yeah. It is like my meditative process. Right. Yeah, I've really learned to see it as very almost relaxing because of this like immediate, I don't know the right word, but like biofeedback that I get. Because if it's going like this crazy out there, then I know I need to settle something in here. And when I can get, the faster I can get to that, it all sort of settles. 
I really like, just to go back to that psychedelics analogy, I really like being able to kind of conceptualize, like, it's like the board, the boundaries and the constraints of reality kind of melt away Yes. when you're tripping out. And that's why you become sensitive. It's also why you feel a lot of love and a lot of connection Right. is because those boundaries kind of just dissolve. Yeah. And these constructs of what we consider reality to be are just kind of non-existent for a while uh, as our brain goes through the chemicals. So to apply that to a child, a young child's whole perception of everything, it almost makes me feel like a real strong jolt of empathy. Like, Oh wow. And I've been treating them like that, you know, like, and I've had, I haven't had patience for them when they're going through X, Y, or Z. And this goes into the, I guess, the shame that comes up in a that could come up in anyone uh, in this doing this work. And I know you like to say, like, hey, we're all doing the best we can with what we've got. Yeah, totally. And so I know there's, you know, there doesn't need to be space for feeling bad and all that. But but that does come up for me. So I'm I, I would like to address it because I, I don't think I'm the only one out there that reflects on his behavior to his young children and thinks, well, like, I know I could show up better. I know I could do better. And I don't think there's any excuse. How do I work with that? Well, just even acknowledging that for yourself, like I said, they are imitating our inner life as well. So that's super helpful. You know, just not not to not to be overwhelmed by that, but to actually acknowledge and be in that um self like recognition of your own shortcomings and the desire to develop more compassion for that creates a desire in them to develop more compassion for that. Uh-huh. So anytime wow. we're even in the state of desire, like Rudolf Steiner would always say, it's not how good you are at doing something to teach the children. It's your striving that teaches the children to become a better human. Wow. Steiner said that? Yes. So like, for instance, I am not good at singing. Singing is like not my strength, but as a Waldorf teacher, you teach the children, you sing all the time with the children, teach the children. And I found my class had the most angelic voices because I had to work so hard on, right? yours? on my own singing and, you know, to get that accurate or, you know, just to be better um, and develop confidence in all of that. But I found that to be true. It was like my striving is what caused them to strive Right. So the short, the, the abilities and the shortcomings don't matter at all. Right. It's our recognition of them and our desire to be better. mm, So yeah, those mindsets, those like guilt mindsets or whatever, they are kind of diffused by the fact that they are, these children are also absorbing our own way of processing these processes. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Like we're a model of how do humans deal with this sort of thing that happens? Wow. You know? And so to me, like once I sort of grokked some of that for myself, it was like, oh, I had more um, excitement and desire to do that faster even, Mm. right? Than to get lost, like you're saying, in Mm -hmm. the the shame or the guilt or the bad feelings, knowing that, oh, well, wait a minute, you know, they're going to model they're learning what it is that the way that I deal with those things also. So this all keeps still just boiling down to like you as the individual uh, in the scope of parenting, like parenting is still just a reflection of you and your personal process. 
I think so. Yeah. I, uh, I um, yeah. I've been with <laughs> lots and lots and like lots of children over the years. You know, it's been probably more than 30 years, right? That I've been with this primarily this age group. And uh, without even meeting the parents, I could tell you a lot about a child's parents. Wow. Because um, children are very much a mirror of their parents. And I'm not to say they don't have their own little things, but so much of what they have <laughs> is a mirror of who their parents are. And it is not the external things the parents do. Oh. I have learned, I'm just going to, how can I say this in a way? Sometimes parents present themselves one way. <laughs> And then I hang out with their children (laughs) and I learn a whole lot of different things about the parents. And it's not from the children telling me who their parents are. Obviously. It's just from seeing how the children behave that I know that that's where, why they're the way that they are. So So. you have this like, uh, uh, under the, under the surface, like intimacy with a lot of parents that they, they have, have no they, idea. They have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? They probably have it with me because if their children are with me a significant amount of time, then they're also going to start absorbing that, right? So they're going to in a good way know about but, my tigers, yeah. though. Too, yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah, maybe. Yeah, well, that's fascinating. So it's just so. a meditation, and it's just a, ob- a observation process of. These little, these little mirrors yeah. running around. Yeah. And their objective is love. They bump around and it's up to us to guide them into, into proper boundaries. And those boundaries, let's talk about boundaries. Yeah. Because I know this was one of the b- first big things we learned from you in the okay. regards of how we're communicating. Like, I don't want you to do this. And those boundaries are, are what help them feel secure yes. as well. Right. So it's not that... They, they want to be hitting their sister because that's what the reaction is. But what they're truly craving uh, is to feel safety or to feel like there is. How would you word this? Well, you feel that? Like, yeah, I can put it. I can yeah. say, well, just think about yourself. If you're like emotionally flooded and overwhelmed, you might regret some of your actions. Right. I mean, we just react. And that's what's happening in that moment is there's having an emotional flooding of a feeling and they don't have the experience to regulate that, to call it back in. They might just even keep spinning out in it. Yeah. Right. And so it's a relief. It's a help when someone comes in and says, I don't want you to do that. Right. It's like, Oh, I don't really want to be doing that either. You know, like, oh, my oh my God, you know, but it might not look like that. It might not look like, ah, you know, like a freak out still about it because they're in this thing. But when we don't go in the vortex with them of the emotion that they're experiencing and then the maybe even the tantrum when we set the boundary and now there's all that. If we don't go into any of that with them again, we are we're like giving them a model of how to get out, you know, of who, who else can I be? Mm. Because this is flooding me right now. And we all, that happens to us. We get emotionally flooded. And then it's really helpful when someone shows us another way to be or provides some comfort or gives us some space or gives us a boundary. I mean, there's a million ways to handle that, you know, but it's ultimately, I think, welcomed. And yes, for a child, 
it, it feels like, oh, they love me, right? So the security comes from because someone is taking care of me and they, they want to know that they're loved and cared for more than anything. Like that's just what they want. Like you're saying, there's these open little like love bubbles that just want to experience that. So when we get angry at them, and they're not experiencing that, mm. right? Um, this I kind of want to explain a little piece of what is very common, I think happens all the time, is that we want our children to be who they want to be and how they want to be. And so we give them more freedom than boundaries, let's say. And we feel like we're being very nice and generous and giving of spaciousness and meeting Hands their off. needs and mm -hmm. letting them choose what they want and how they want and, you know, all of these things. But then what happens is that works so great for like the first couple of years. And then this child s starts to uh, have their really strong self. They're coming into their self, you know, two and a half and three. And now they're, they're saying no, and I don't like that. And I don't want that. And da, 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 da. Now the parents are feeling like, but I've been so nice and I've given you so much. You know, why aren't you appreciative? Why aren't you giving back to me all that I've been giving to you? Which instead you're getting resistance, you're getting complaints, you're getting whiny behavior, you're getting tantrums, you're getting all this stuff. And now the nice parent becomes triggered and irritated and a little bit mean, mm -hmm. right? <laughs> now the child's like, huh? You're always so giving me everything and now your turn, you know, so this is like a very common dynamic where people will see me for coaching when their child's like three or four, because now that three or four year old who was sweet when they were giving them everything <laughs> and was just this loving thing is now bossing them around and running the whole house and telling people where they can sleep and where they can sit and what they can listen to in the car and what they're going to eat or not going to eat and whether they're going to take a nap or not going to take a nap. And they're like, ah, what yeah. happened? That's right? interesting. Because the child's seeking boundaries to bring it back around. Oh. They're doing this and they're asking for this and they're pushing you in this way and they're pushing you in that way because they want to feel contained. They don't want to be making all those choices. It's overwhelming. Intuitively, they know. Yes. Yeah. They don't really want all that because they don't have the wisdom to handle that responsibility. And they're like, well, what's with you? You've been here a lot longer than me. <laughs> And why are you where, handling this? That doesn't make me feel that good. You've been here this long and you don't know what we're supposed to have for dinner. And you don't know what time I'm supposed to go to bed. And you don't know what we're supposed to do. Like, that doesn't make me feel very well cared for, you know? And so they're, they're like seeking, seeking, seeking. And when we can give them the boundaries, the expectations in a loving, supportive way, they're like, oh, my God, now I can be free. Do you see what I mean? Totally. Now I can be like free to do the things I want to do and create and focus on and, and explore about myself because the rest is all taken care of. A small child doesn't need to take care of food and bedtime and, and you know, clothes they wear and all these sorts of things. That's burdensome. So now they're not free. They're burdened. At what, at what stage is there a distinction between imitation and like real bossiness because for example our children both of them one of them is not even two yet and one of them is you know three and a half they'll have their moments of like bossing us around in a very just like imitative way of us like sure. saying hey you know hey if you don't do this we're not yes. doing this yes and like 
I mean, I feel like we've done pretty well with boundaries over the last few years. Like we've, we, we want them to be free, but we also recognize thanks to you in large part, but like, I, I find it interesting that we're getting some of this like feedback like he'd throw it right back on us the same. Like, hey man, I'm we're the parents here. We're in charge. Not yes. you, bud. Well, what one thing that may be happening and tends to happen is that even when we think we're as the grown-up holding a boundary, we do it with a questioning tone or with oh. the desire to get buy-in. Okay. So an example might be it's time to leave. We're going somewhere, right? Okay, are you ready to go? No, they're not ready to go. They don't want to go, right? So the grown-up, me in this case, I've asked a question. Are you ready to go? They're like, no, I'm not ready to go. Now, I can't respect their answer, right? Because we have to go somewhere. To go. And so I've, I've set up a situation where I'm not going to be able to respect my child. And if I don't respect them, they're not going to respect me. So when we start to get some of this feedback where it's like they're not respecting sort of our authority, it's most often because in very subtle ways, we're not respecting them. So the easy, easy, easy way to fix this problem is do not ask your child a question if you cannot respect the answer. Never, ever, because it slowly erodes that relationship. The trust and the respect go like out the window in that situation. So instead, it's like, it's time to get going. Let me help you put your blocks away because we gotta go, right? Totally different. Um, because instead what we do, we ask these questions or whatever, I don't know, we'll just stick with that one. And now we're in negotiations. Oh, but we have to go. Mm -hmm. Remember, did it? well, mm -hmm. how about, don't you wanna, you could bring your such wow. and such or why don't you get your thing? And now we're like questioning it's like we asked them a question, they gave us their answer, and now we're trying to convince them to be somebody else or do something different than they already answered. And our authority is just eroded. It's just completely gone. <laughs> they, didn't, they don't have any respect for that. And and who would you in any relationship, if I right. ask you something and then you tell me truly your no. wishes, and I'm like, well, you know what, no. it, we're going to do this instead, and da-da-da-da-da, you know, you're like... It's with you, you know? Yeah, you're not respecting the <laughs> sovereignty of the other individual. Uh, yeah, so it's very subtle, and it might just be in a, put your blocks away, okay? There, you've done it again. You've asked for permission from them, and if the, their answer is no, not okay with me, like, why do we just give our yeah. authority away like that? Right. Just take off the okay, no questions. Time to put your blocks away. We need to get in the car. There's no, okay, not even in the tone, nothing. It's because it's it's so subtle, but I think that's the source of much of the disrespect that children have for their parents. Mm. Parents ask them questions and they don't respect what their children have to say. Yeah, it's interesting because you, yeah, you brought this to my attention a while back and I noticed as soon as I put in some of these changes, I started to get full on respect from my son and I still do. He, he listens to me more than his mom. Uh -huh. But like, I, I recognize that we have an understanding now that I'd like to keep going. Um, and he listens to me when he knows when it's important. Yeah. And sure, there's moments where he's really excited. And, sure. you know, that's something I guess we all have to figure out on an individual basis. Uh, but yeah, there'll just be times where he'll be like, he'll really want something. Like, Dad, if you don't give me this to eat, then we're not going to the beach later. <laughs> 
<laughs> it's exactly what we do in our negotiations. It's negotiations. So if your child is negotiating with you, I guarantee you, you negotiate with him. Oh, you know, yeah. and I mean, any parent that comes to me, it's like they have that issue. And it's like, well, where did they you think they learned that from? Yeah. And that that's the intense <laughs> way, because he, he's a clever guy anyway. And yeah. at other times, especially with his grandmother, he'll like just start explaining something. So that's why we need to do this. What I want to do. Like, he'll just explain it. Like, so we, we should do this. And like. You know, in a lot of ways, he's right. <laughs> Which is great. And if it fits in, then great to honor that, right? And yeah. I'm not definitely not saying don't ask our children questions, but only ask them questions when we can honor the answer. Mm. That's all I'm saying. Yes, they want to have a say in things and they deserve to have a say in things. But only when we can honor what it is they have to say. And that's another good <laughs> self-observation you know? process is... Are what about other people or relationships in our lives? Are we respecting the answers of what? Yeah, are we <laughs> negotiating asking? to get our own uh, desires? Yeah, moved forward. Yeah, and I think also too, like maybe especially coming in from this non-family life, uh, as I was, and like we're suddenly thrown on in. It's like they're little people; they're humans. It's almost like we're grasping around for understanding how to treat them. Like, I've never spent time with kids before. And you know? I think it's not that different. I mean, it's different. It's not that different at all. Authority. And maybe, you know, your wife or partner doesn't need this sort of authority necessarily, but in terms of, um, yeah, I mean, we maybe, I, I think we don't tend to really understand how much they can understand and how empathetic they can be yeah. and how, even if we can't meet their needs to be able to say, I understand that's what you want right now. And we need to do this other thing. Just the acknowledging instead of we spend, well, what I see, many of us spend a lot of time sort of negotiating children's feelings away. Right? right. So they're really upset about something and we try to distract them from their emotion, the authentic emotion they're having because it's bothering us <laughs> instead of acknowledging their emotion. Yeah. I see you're totally frustrated that you that keeps falling down every time you try to, you know, build that tower. Totally frustrating. That is so frustrating. That's it. You don't have to f tell them how to do it. Because you're taking away then maybe their agency. Yeah, yeah, to figure it out on their own and to experience failure and, you know, success, failure, failure, failure until they succeed. Like, you know, all of that. It's like, no, but people do want to feel emotionally supported and seen and understood. And we don't need it to be taken away from us. Like, oh, why don't you go play with something else? That's frustrating you too much. Mm -hmm. Or here, let's go, blah, blah. It's like, why don't you just go? Yeah, that sucks. Every time you do that, it keeps falling down. How frustrating. There's a little understanding. <laughs> yeah. Um, and they'll be like, yeah. Ugh. You know, but that's like right there strengthens the relationship and builds that mutual trust and respect mm -hmm. that I'm talking about. It's just that. Or when we do have to manhandle our child because it's time to go and whatever it has happened or something happens in a rush. If we at least say, I know you want to stay and do this. I know you want to stay and do this, but I need to pick you up now. I need to put you in the truck because yeah. it's time to go. I'll help you. Then that's just respectful, you know? And it's like, we wonder why our children are manhandling everybody else because mostly parents manhandle their children. It's sort of one of my pet peeves. We mostly 
rearrange their bodies in space in ways we would not do with any with other human. Else. We would not do that. You know, we just wouldn't do it. We wouldn't grab our friend by the hand and take them over here when they want to go look at this. Or like, <laughs> we just wouldn't do that, you know? And sometimes as a parent, you have to do it, but at least you can communicate before you do it or the why of doing it or something that is very, you know, is more respectful. And one last interruption from your host. I just wanted to take a moment to say thank you for listening. And if you are listening frequently to this podcast, I would love to hear from you. I'd love to hear a bit about what you like, maybe what you don't like. If the conversations have been bringing you value, whatever it might be, you can email me hello at jordanherbs.com. You could go to YouTube and leave a comment. You can find me on Twitter, Jordan Herbs. I would just love to hear, get some feedback to know that this podcast is reaching the right ears. So thanks for that. And I look forward to hearing from you. Yeah. So there's definitely a, something to be said for just how we treat others and witnessing how the patients we're bringing to the table with our kids. Treat there them needs like you would treat your anyone. friend. Yeah, your just spouse, maybe with a bit more them. communication. Yeah. And I mean, the boundaries aren't necessarily different. They're just probably spoken more. Yes, right. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. More explicit. Right. Because they're learning, you know. Right. Yeah. 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 But they can understand and participate in the way that others can also. So what about when there's two children and one parent and, you know, one of them's trying to run to the street, the other's trying to do this. Uh, it's time to go. You're communicating right. One of them understands your communication. The other one is still learning language. I find this to, like we poke fun at everyone, like all serious about and patient and so loving with their one child. Yeah. And we go, okay, try it with two. Yeah. And like, it is so difficult sometimes to do everything we're talking about, to treat, especially the toddler, the older one with all the love and acceptance and patience that he needs and he deserves. Yet at the same time, this one's over here throwing a tantrum, you know, she's whatever going through a different phase. Yeah. And so bundling that together, what is your advice? It's well, I have to do that. I have to be expert at that, honestly, because I have six children, let's say, right? And one me. And we might need to all, we're, we're moving throughout the day, going from thing to thing, place to place. Um, and everybody has different needs. All of a sudden, somebody needs to go potty. You know, we're going to go on a walk and somebody needs to go potty. Whatever the things are, right? This, this the flower is, over this here. This is common. <laughs> it's like so common. Um. It's hard to explain, but I call it an energetic tether. So that's why this relationship that you have with your children is so important. The respect, the communication, all of that. Because in these moments when there's like a need that's different than the rest of the needs, we have to kind of stay together, right? It's, it's a mindset that we're like, like the hive, like we're all one thing. And so it's me eliciting, let's say we're taking a walk and I have six children and one is like you said, after the butterfly or something, you know, <laughs> it's like, uh, we need to bring that one who's off back 
to the rest of us. We don't all need to go there again into the vortex of the one that's gone awry. Uh, We need to bring that one back. And so it's this energetic tether, I guess is what I'm saying. Like it's an, I'm creating an energetic bubble around with the children who are, are staying in my heart space are connected to me while the one goes off so that we can get the one back. So when there's two children like that, it's not usually two going in a different direction. Can be, but then there's a problem there in the relationship and some, some, the authority isn't quite right because they'll, you know, like flowers, like to the sun, they want to turn towards that. And if they don't, then we need to go a little bit deeper and find out why. And it's some of the things we were talking about already where you've eroded accidentally trust. But if there's trust there, it really won't be, I can pretty much guarantee it won't be that big of a deal when one is going off because the other will come with you to get them or the other will wait there while you get them or the other will, will actually be helpful in moving this activity forward. If they're both going in opposite directions, now no one's being helpful. I guess what I'm referring to specifically is like they're both throwing fits for different reasons. Well, I'm saying that's a little bit like something else is off then. That that would be happening simultaneously at once. It is very rare that in a group of, I mean, unless they're in conflict with each other. But now we need to deal with the settling of that conflict. Yeah. In our case, it's like, well, maybe one of them's really tired, uh-huh. uh, and then the other one's not getting the snack or candy he wanted at the store. Yes. And so it's like, I'm already. Uh, I had to run a bunch of errands in yes. town the other day, and they slept in the car. Great. The first errand, Home Depot. They did great. They started kind of, they were playing in the cart with a tape measure and then it started to turn into fighting. And I yes. finally finished what I was doing and we got to leave. Then we went to Office Max and I had to print something out. I had to walk around the store. The moment I put one of them down, they both jet off as fast as they can. I'm trying to print something. So I grab the, the, the smaller one and like, hey, you know, older one, you know better than this. And for the most part, yeah, he'll come back and I'll hold his hand. Uh, but then the other one wants to get out of my arms. And like, she's like, no, I want down. I want down. I want down. I'm like, no, we're not going down. And then suddenly he wants to play with this office chair. <laughs> And like, no, sorry, we can't play with this. We're not playing with this office chair. Yes. I want down. I okay. want down. Okay, no, no you can't play with this office helpful. chair. Hey, we have yeah. to go over because okay. the printing lady is waiting for me and I have to pay. Yes. That's what I'm kind okay. of referring to. got it. That, yeah. That's very helpful. Thank you. So very helpful. Chaos. What has happened in that situation? Like I said, behavior uh, signifies an unmet need typically, right? So in this case, that was... Uh, they had it with the errands. Like it's yeah. too, too much <laughs> for a small child and two small children to be on these errands. So it might've been, uh, uh, what's the word? Like not, not have happened. Um, if after home Depot, there was like a little, we should sit around yeah. under the tree in, even if it's just, and I think people make the mistake of thinking children need to like, and their break, get out their wild energy. I'm not really a believer in that because I think it actually activates wild energy. Sometimes it's not necessarily what's needed, but what is needed is just like a, 
and to not feel confined. Because when we're taking children around on errands in particular, it is very confining. You are like strapped in your little seat and then yeah. you sit in this car yeah. and then you sit in this cage and then you like... You know, it's horrible. <laughs> it's yeah. Like, it's very confining. So also ideally, if you have this nice relationship going, they should be able to walk around the store with you and you wouldn't really be having this issue because they have more movement in their body. Children have to move, yeah. not wildly like we think they need to move, but they just need to move, but not wildly. It, just walk. It's, you know? it's, <laughs> it's funny because on our list of things to do was go to the park, this new park we found that they love. And a, he wanted to go before the second errand. Yeah. He said, hey, can we go to the park now? And I said... And I changed my mind. I had told yeah. him we were going to go to the park okay, in between so errands. Also a problem. He knew. Yes. He knew he wanted the park. Yes. It would have been really good to do the park. And but dad, <laughs> and again, daddy wants to just dad be done with everything. Changes the mind. That's also a problem because they uh -huh. get like willing to hold themselves together to a certain point, you know, and they'll do that. But even if you can't, like I'm saying, there's no time for parks and it doesn't have to be that extravagant. There's like, you know, a little grassy place to sit under a tree and at least have some grounding mm. like in nature. Right. Mm. Sit down on the grass and have a bite to eat or your drink of water or whatever. Have the breeze, have some, some bird song, have some like children really reset to nature. So when we're doing city stuff to just put these little moments also of nature because it's a lot and it's a long car ride. And that's like a lot of input mm -hmm. of all the traffic and just like, it's a lot for them. Just, we were talking about that open space that they live in and now maybe can like open heart space that they live in, have a perspective on being in a altered state and needing to go run errands right. at Home Depot and Office Max and be driven in the car, you know, and music and you know, like you're going to feel kind of crazy and then confined when you feel like you got the, ugh, you yeah, know, so and then people are that. like, and you're like, and the truth is, I kind of feel like that too. You know, so it's like almost just acknowledging my inner child, and then we'll all be happier running those errands. Yeah, it's it's a thing. Well, I think we're about running out of time. Is there any advice you'd like to give struggling parents of young children before we close off? Oh my, um I think we've really hit on the super important part, which is just like do what you need to do to stay as centered as you can in your life. You know, I am definitely a fan of quality time versus quantity. So if it means you're less time with your child and someone else, you need to like hand the baton or whatever, because you need to replenish yourself so that you can show up for the time with your child in a centered, calm, loving, open-hearted, you know, observant way, mm -hmm. then do that <laughs> so it's like we have to take care of you know it's just that saying of like you have to have a full cup in order to yeah you know offer something to somebody else and i think that's just like so true with parenting you it just and it's true with teaching i cannot be tired hungry you know emotionally hungry, angry, lonely tired yeah <laughs> all of those things emotionally disturbed about stuff i have got to get myself straight before they all come in the door or it is yeah a nightmare <laughs> and I would just speak to the challenge that that might be at times. I mean, especially if you're a single parent, 
Yes. Um, making this, finding the space, the time and space, and just the whole energy to be able to focus and center yourself may not be easy for everyone. But it speaks to routines. Yeah. So especially if you're a single parent and especially if you're struggling with time to have those routines where the child does have to take a nap or at least have their quiet time. And bedtime is a certain time because mom or dad needs time to themselves in the evening. They need an hour to themselves in the afternoon just to have thought, quiet thought right. space. Just to not hear anything. <laughs> just to not hear something. So, I mean, uh, you have to have routines then that give you space, you know, from your children. Well, thank yeah. you, Nandy. Thank you for everything you yeah, do. You're welcome. And we all appreciate you so much. Thank you very much for listening. This podcast is available on all major apps. Please head over and follow there. And if you really like it, leaving a quick review and five stars is super helpful, especially on Apple Podcasts. SovereignStatesOfMind.com is a place you can put in your email to receive things to your inbox every week. These are updates. These are blog posts, anything related to this podcast and the theme of developing sovereign states of mind sovereignstatesofmind.com. You can also support the show there by becoming a monthly patron. My name is Jordan Herbs. You can find me on Twitter as Jordan Herbs, J-O-R-D-A-N-U-R-B-S. And I look forward to interacting with you and hearing a bit about your journey. If you're interested in coming on this podcast, don't hesitate to be in touch. Much love. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next time. Sovereign States of Mind.